welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Well, welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Here we are. Um, this here we is are. Father Mike. This is Father Sean. And here we are on the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Also known as... Ding, 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 ding. Were you going to play the applause? Also known as... I don't know if I no, can... No, 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 don't try. Okay, don't play the applause. I don't know. I don't know if it's known as anything, but it's your feast day. You are the parochial vicar at the Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. That's right. And isn't the Immaculate Conception, that's the feast, the patron of our country, correct? Yes. Oh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. So today's right. a big day for the U.S., CCB, the U.S., and oh, yeah. the Archdiocese yeah, of Denver. The Nuncio... <laughs> the uh, what uh, the Archdiocese of Denver is, is the patroness, right? She Col- is. Colorado is St. Francis. Correct. Right? As our the patron. state, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. Immaculate Mary, your praises we sing. You reign now in splendor or heaven? I think I've asked you this before. Splendor. I say splendor. You reign now in splendor with Jesus our King. Mm hmm. Yeah, here we go. And that's uh, the song they sing at Lourdes in France. We also sung that at Lourdes in Denver. You did? This morning. Did you have any processions or anything cool like that? Nothing like, not the procession you're talking about, just the normal mass procession. I wonder if we should have, can you do that? Just like impromptu procession? I don't see why not. We did that once here. We should do more Marian processions. I think so. I think so. I don't know if we're intimidated by living in the midst of protestant christian world or i don't know what it is is it you ashamed i think it's part of it i think it's more of a hassle in america with regards to if you're going to do big processions like when i was in mexico they shut down the whole block and they have city police helping and i assume because it's a catholic country it's just it's just expected same with italy but here in america it'd be logistically expensive but i'm like we'll just take back roads like don't Oh yeah, you know. So I, I think we should. When we had the you relics could just of go around the block, can't we you? could, yeah, and we could stay on the sidewalk. It would be congested, but that would, that's what we did when we had um, the relics of Saint Bernadette in town. Um, they were traveling the United States, and we got to host them at Our Lady of Lords, which was super awesome and very very beautiful. And we had we had her for three days, and then each of those nights we did a Marian candle procession, just like they do in France. Yeah. With the rosary and correct, yeah. Now I've never decade, been to sing that the, uh, Ave Ave yep. Ave Maria. Exactly. So we did that. I've never been to Lord's France, but it is a desire of my heart now. Yeah. Well tell me when you go. I'd like to go to Fatima. I've never been there. Aren't you going this summer for World Youth Day? No, I wish I were. We don't have youth at the cathedral. You're a youth, Father Mike. Am I? I think so. Well You're more you. youthful. Well, than, yeah. than some of the other companions. Somebody, I mean, people have been recently telling me they're they're old. Maybe it's in marriage prep, and they're younger than me. That's funny. <laughs> so I am getting old. I think that's awesome. Thirty nine. Do you consider that old? I mean, you're a young young buck. I consider it old from my standpoint. But I, once I hit thirty nine, I'll be like, wow, I'm still young. Yeah, I remember a time when like forty sounded so old. Mm-hmm. So, well, here I am. I don't know. <laughs> At the midway through life or something? Yeah, what is midpoint? I guess 40 because average age, what, is 80? Average age is to it? die? At life least in the expectancy? U.S. expectancy? Yeah, that's right. I think in the U.S. 
Yeah. I, that sounds about right. It's like if somebody dies at 70, then I feel like, oh, that's tragic. They died too soon mm-hmm. or something like that. But it's already old, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, in the history of the world, yeah. I will never forget when I was on a retreat, I think in high school or at school. I can't remember where it was, but I just remember someone saying I was with, I was definitely in high school and it was like, look to your left, look to your right. Um, these are, you know, your peers, your classmates. Some of you may have already lived over half your life, which wow. is crazy to think about. Oh, Like if, if you're 15, what if you have lived over half your life that you're only going to live to like 29 or 30? Well, that's kind of an, a morbid thought. Well, to, memento mori. To tell the kids. It's true. Memento mori. It's true. It, that's, a, that's a means of holiness and wisdom. To memento mori. Remember your death. Remember your death. What about um, the best procession that I think I've ever been in was in Capilla de Guadalupe. In Mexico City? In Mex- no, no, no. This is in Jalisco. Hmm. It's the... Um, renowned home of one Father Jeronimo Gonzalez, a friend and a great bird lover. That's right. He's your classmate. He's not my classmate, but close. He was one year behind me. Gotcha. He's with uh, Larkin and Nepple and Greggy P and Wags. Happy birthday, Father Greg P. Hey, happy birthday, Father Greggy P. Triple G. <laughs> we call him Triple G because he has three G's in his Greg. All right. Is that unique? Uh, as far as I know, he also has three E's in his last name, Peterson. Mm. So there's no O. It's a three three E's. So triple yeah. G and triple E. He's a Trinitarian dude. That's right. Happy so anyways, birthday. this this procession. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, Capilla, Capilla de Guadalupe. They, had, um, they were celebrating their 100th anniversary as a parish. And they had, in those 100 years, 100 priestly vocations. Wow. And then there's lots and lots of nuns. So all these people came back for the celebration and we had this huge procession through the town and then back toward the church but there were like there were like fireworks that was cool Quetes. you know you got the fireworks blasting from the sides of the procession and people mm-hmm. shouting and celebrating and throwing streamers was or the bishop confettis. there yeah he must have been yeah. i don't really remember i remember when i was in mexico they they would always light the fireworks off and they're not even going for for visual effects they're going for sound effects yeah so the, the fireworks in mexico were super loud but you never saw them you just saw like oh, really? some dust at least when i was there in puebla and whenever the bishop would go like the the visita pastoral he would go from town to town parish to parish and when he came to the small town i was in um during the consecration they timed the fireworks perfectly to go off the same time oh. as the bell so it was like ring 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 and it was like boom 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 <laughs> Yeah, they didn't light them off in the church, did they? Well, the the mass was so big that it was out in the town square uh, under yeah. a tent, and so it was outside. But dude, that's an epic bell ring. It was. It scared me, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I would. Right, you just kind of like quiet in prayer and meditating. Um, let's see. What else can we say? The you're getting into skiing these days. I skied with Father Sean the other day, and that's right, first it one of the season. Intimidating. I intimidating. I couldn't keep up with these guys. Whatever. Yeah, talk about old. I couldn't keep up with these guys. Well, that's because you should have had your snowboard. Oh, yeah. No, I, my ski, I can ski fast, but I, I need to tune my skis. Maybe that's part of it. But also... Every year. Once a year. I need to train. I need to lift weights. Train. You're like doing leg, a lift triathlon, aren't you? I went with uh, Father Micah 
to the gym the other day mm-hmm. and he showed me these exercises he's supposed to do because he's like rehabbing his knee. Yeah. And whatever they were, like I work out a lot. I'm pretty strong. I was so sore. I don't I was so sore. They were like, um, what do you call them? Hamstrings mm-hmm. and glutes. And I could hardly walk. Yep. And I hadn't felt that sore in a very Muscle long time. Imbalance. So, so I'm like, whatever that is, I need to be doing those, yeah. right? Or oh, is that just sure. like asking for pain? Well, I think the body breaks down unless we like move it, right? The body's meant to run, jump, play, etc. So, but what I find is like our bodies are in balance all the time because we spend ninety percent of our day sitting mm-hmm. and hunched over at a computer screen doing Don't you emails have a standing desk i do you know so i think that's one way to combat it if you have to sit down and do things but also uh get out and move and play but yeah um so typically right you're like your hamstring at least for me hamstrings are weak uh glutes are weak but then my thighs are really strong i need to work some you know the abs just to bring more balance to the body and i think it's like because i do running biking swimming and skiing, whatever these, but the same kinds of things all the time, mm-hmm. then certain muscle groups just don't get worked. Right. Exactly. So it that's what I, up. that's what I felt. Um, it was a little surprising. Do you like moguls? Do you like, Oh, moguls uh, are the best steeps. You like cliffs. You like powder. I mean, powder is obviously what you live for, but you don't get a powder day every day. So if you don't have powder, you got to go for the bumps. Bumps are the best. Mary Jane, best bumps in the world. But we, we didn't have any bumps when we went last Monday couple mondays ago because of um it's just early season there's not and they're grooming everything everything on the mountain was groomed thus far so no bumps yet but yeah bumps just is what you live for you know cruise fast uh powder is what you live for bumps are great the i like the steeps man i like bowls and where do you find those in colorado in. where's your favorite like steep mm, yeah good question i i mean vale has great bowls but but I don't, vale has the best bowls, but they're not always the steepest. Yeah. I grew up on Copper Mountain. Mm-hmm. So there's some there, but they're, it's kind of seasonal. I mean, it's a, a tight window where they're open and like really and covered. Good. Yeah. And then they get tracked out and kind of moguled and everything. Um, Steamboat has some cool they have tree shoots. stuff. Yeah. The shoots. Crested Butte had some cool steeps. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You can find them. I, that's yeah. one one thing I like about the backcountry stuff too, is the freshies. The freshies. Oh, uh, I could Father Steve Akers shout out, coolest dude from California in the world probably, and he was in town. Since he's Californian, I had to. Well, I thought I had to introduce him to the term champagne powder mm. because it snowed and it was. In the morning, it was that really cold, really fine, light snow. It glistens, and that one's called champagne. I know there's also like corn. It's a little chunk, you know, chunky, like you would think, like granular, and mm-hmm. it's heavier, but it's not like wet necessarily. And then I was trying to think of other brands, names, types. No, that's what that's what we got. The Fresh Pow. I don't know. Champagne powder, I think, was coined by Steamboat. Because that's where it kind of like originated from from what I understand. I could be wrong on that. But go to Steamboat Springs and you get the best powder in the world is what they say. Yeah. And so they call that champagne powder. Oh, I see. So maybe that's not a type. Maybe that's just a 
kind of a steamboat thing. You know, at steamboat, there's this chairlift way up at the top that it it kind of runs. It's, it's not real steep, but it goes through a, um, a swath of trees. And if you bring bird seed, hmm. you can hold out your hand with the bird seed, and these birds will come up and sit on your hand and eat the That's awesome. bird seed. Yeah. Full it's circle. It's Father Mike over here is like St. Francis. It's like an Easter egg. Hey, there you go. Feeding the birds. Oh, yeah. I love that about St. Francis. Sitting in gardens everywhere. I do want to ask you, though. We, we kind of got off track there for a minute, which I love. But I do want to ask you about just your feast day at your parish. Do you guys do anything special at your parish today? Well, big masses. The archbishop was there for a mass. That's special for us. And um, other than that, I mean, it's a regular mass schedule. I feel like people are pretty good these days about holy days of obligation. There's a lot of people there today. Mm. We'll see. I got mass this evening, but um, what should I do? Should I do something particular in the mass? Good question. I mean, it's already a solemnity, so you still do the Gloria, you still do the Creed. But I personally think, I, I don't think there's any theological backing for this, but I personally think that God wants to give special graces on feast days and even, how you say that, patronal feast days. So the Immaculate Conception, your patron, patroness, because you're at the cathedral, uh, Jesus and Mary want to shower you with special graces today. Yeah. I'll take it. There is some some like indulgence attached to visiting the cathedral on its feast and all that stuff. But what um, what do you have in mind? Particularly Marian virtue graces? Yeah, I, I I personally, especially if I have a devotion to a saint, I typically feel like a, a closeness that day and like um, a closeness to Jesus on on certain feast days. And and that's not always the case. But I just think that's a particular gift the Lord wants to give at, at different times. Um, I love it. To draw close to us, you know. Well, then, okay, so th- I'll be praying for the grace of what's going to be the topic here, too. How's that? Great. Okay. Good so, segue. <laughs> what does immaculate mean? Immaculate Mary. Immaculate means without stain, without blemish. Here we go. So immaculate is stain or blemish. Yeah, immacula. Um, in the Latin. Sine macula concepta est. Um, yeah, immacula is a stain or a blemish. And what about technically? Technically, when you're talking about soteriology, Mariology, what is the doc- dogma of the Immaculate Conception? That Mary was conceived without sin or any stain of original sin. There you go. Now, I didn't know this until I went to seminary, so don't make fun of me. But I was in class, theology class, and someone said, you know the Immaculate Conception? Like, uh, I, yeah, I can't remember the full context. I didn't go to a, uh, I was just in a regular class with a bunch of students, and someone said, you know the Immaculate Conception has to do with Mary, not with Jesus. Yeah. I always thought like, oh, this is when Jesus Christ was immaculately conceived in Mary's womb. That's not it. Common misconception. And I had that misconception. Yeah, so you're thinking, you should be thinking of Anna and Joachim. Yes. Right? And then Mary's conception is without sin or without the blemish, the stain of original sin. Um, What is original sin? Original sin is the sin that you and I and all of us share in handed down by our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they fell. 
by eating of the fruit, which was our first reading for today. So we share in that sin and then pass down by propagation, not imitation. Oh, that's an interesting term. I don't need, I don't know that language, but <laughs> you're not you're not a so, dogmatic theologian. Yeah, well, shoot. Um, okay, so let's see. Propagation, not imitation. What isn't it? Imitation as well. Well, imitation in the sense like uh, I don't I don't have original sin because I follow in the footsteps of my parents. I have original sin because they gave birth to me, and it's passed down. Um, by propagation, like almost genetically in that sense. Yeah. Um, and so th- it's a different kind of concept than I did something naughty, right? It's the, a kind of brokenness. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a corruption. And I've tried over the years different kind of models and examples. And one that I tend toward that I think speaks to people and makes sense to people, although I don't know that it's, it's really fair, is that I'll say this is the product of hundreds of thousands of years of evolution as an animal that is living in survival of the fittest, kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, so it's instinctual for us to be divisive, to defend ourselves, to um, try to somehow compete and attack and instinctual, something like the birds, you know, you could give you, this bird is born, the flock goes away. Somehow the bird just knows to fly south. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but it's an, instincts are weird. And there's something, I think, for describing original sin as this sort of instinct toward that aggression or, um, yeah, kind of protecting ourselves in a way that perceives others as dangerous and ourself maybe as dangerous too. Yeah. Is that too limiting or is that reject a kind of, there, there yeah, has I, to be I, some I, moment where sin began. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with my evolutionary model. True. Right. Which Adam and Eve are our first parents. And, and that's, that's dogmatic the, um, that we have two first parents, right? Uh, yep. What is it called? Monogenism. Monogenism as opposed to uh, polygenism. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would really use the word, uh, instinct as opposed to something more like, um, inclination, right? We have an inclination towards sin is the, uh, concupiscence, right? We're inclined towards this. To me, that seems like a better, but I know what you're saying. of like, it's passed down generation by generation. Um, and, and you're saying that's because of, uh, uh, evolution in a sense of just like we carry on what our parents have before us. Yeah. So I know what you're getting at, but I think, I think, uh, and I think it helps to kind of separate it from that imitation thing mm. that you're saying. Sure. You know, it's, is it nature or nurture? It's both. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So often we'll talk about sin in a juridical way. And this is kind of what, where, the uh, Protestant Reformation really took uh, offense at the idea that Mary has was conceived without sin and was uh, never sinned. In part, just like um, what do you call it? Is that, is it quoting um, t- text referencing? What is that called? Um, quoting this thing from Romans that says, "All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Typology. Um, no, it's like. <laughs> 
I don't know. It'll come to me. Anyway. Um, Sorry, I'm no help. So something about the, just the corruption in every human being, and only Jesus can be. Well, the Immaculate Conception somehow tells us that um, we are capable of being without sin, and we are made to be without sin. And there is a, a kind of glory that's not really that far away, mm. but it ends up being that way. Like we end up with a kind of corruption. And um, maybe a point of comparison can be like growing up as a kid, you have an innocence about you and you don't know what the the sins of the adults, uh, what they're talking about. Right. And you also don't have as many effects of evil. Like you haven't gone through broken hearts. You haven't really dealt with what happens when I lose people and um, all that suffering and, and the injustices of the world, the eyes being open to all these things. And the, the kid just has that, that innocence. And yet the kids are still affected by this original sin. I don't know. Um, so it's, it's something of an analogy to talk about that sort of innocence. Mm. Okay. I was looking at uh, St. Ephraim a little bit. and The deacon. The deacon and poet. He writes about Mary, and he's one of these number of uh, fathers of the church who had spoken of Mary in ways that are like a precedent for the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. It wasn't invented in 1849 when it was correct um, promulgated or declared or whatever. But he focuses on Mary's perfect beauty. And this concept to me is interesting because it takes it out of that sort of legal, you know, did you do something naughty or bad or something? And then puts it into this without a stain or without a blemish is a kind of no scars and perfect clarity. And it got me thinking about um, the uh, perception, sight. Okay, so if if heaven is different because it's it's the beatific vision, and then the New Testament uses language like, um, now we see dimly, but one day clearly, face to face we shall behold our God, our hearts will rise. You know, that's right. Um, we see dimly, and there's something of a, a perfect clarity. There's no smudges on the uh, the glass that surrounds the light. There's no smudges on Mary's lenses. Mm. You know, we talk about rose-colored glasses. You can also talk about, you know, like my glasses. I'm always reminded, oh, you need to clean those off. Right, Because they're all cloudy. And so I thought, it got me thinking about um, the immaculate perception mm. and how the... When things are clear, when you see clearly, um, then it can affect various um, experiences of the world. So I wanted to riff on and brainstorm with what you think about the immaculate perception being a clarity of sight graced by God so that she could see the world the way it really is, the Hmm. way that God sees it. She could see herself, so it's like a, a clean mirror, you know, a clean lens looking out, yeah. and then the light from within, you are the light of the world, shines clearly upon um, other, other people. 
So in the presence of someone with this sort of immaculate vision, you, um, you can become known. You come to be known yourself. So which one do you want to start with? Um, Does this make sense? I mean, it's still a little abstract. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in. I didn't realize there was an option there. I thought we were just going with the latter one of uh, seeing the immaculate perception. What was, oh, what yeah, was yeah, the yeah. first no, one? It's, then? it's the three angles. It's the see the world clearly. It's to see oneself clearly. And then it's to gotcha. um, allow other people to be seen clearly. Those are the three angles. Gotcha. Those are the three angles. They're all good options. Let's start with the world. Let's start with the world. Okay. So one of the things that happens, like we'll go back to the children and then the adults, is that you get your sight becomes uh, distorted, cynical, tainted, where you look as a kid, you look around with a bunch of wonder. I think I've used this example before, but I love it, where you take the nephews to the zoo Mm -hmm. and around every corner they're just like amazed and it's like the happiest moment of their life what i didn't know that thing has such a long neck look at those spots what funny legs how does it even walk you know and then you take them around the corner and they're like wow that's a snake why do i feel this way why Mm -hmm. do i you know and yeah the wonder you're right they get so excited about the smallest little details and but then as an adult you're like yeah why don't i it's true that is a crazy thing, that mm-hmm. draft. But we get so jaded yeah. and so um, desensitized to everything. Yeah, or bored, just kind of glutted with information. And um, But it makes me think, maybe I should, I should take them to the zoo and only show them one animal each time. <laughs> and then you could have a lifetime of being amazed. <gasps> oh, that's funny. Because you hadn't seen a hippo and you didn't even believe it could exist. You didn't see a hippo until you're 39 years old. Yeah. So then you got uh, the wonder, and you can wonder at everything. This is God's creation. You wonder at the sky. You wonder at things you learn. You can wonder at, um, you know, you got that telescope that just got launched Mm. up there, and it's shooting beautiful pictures. Yeah, the James Webb. Yeah, you know about this James Webb? Have you been following it? Uh, Not as much. I saw like four pictures when it first, when they first published something. They had a really sweet picture. I was reading about this the other day. they like the the james webb telescope right so we can only see in a certain spectrum of light the james webb telescope has infrared camera on it and so it'll take the infrared camera which is measures heat what we would perceive as heat and it's it's taking photos infrared of different galaxies and different places and how i don't know the stardust or whatever the stuff is anyways when you when they take the normal photo it's like oh that's cool i guess but when they put it with infrared and like get out the different hues and, and blend the hues in a ways that make it come alive. These are like spectacular photos. Mm. And so I saw one recently and it was explaining this of how they had to do all this with the infrared and make it now visible so that we can see it. Uh, and it was, it was absolutely spectacular. The photo that it produced from it. That's, uh, that's even a good example of like, if you could see the spiritual in mm. the material, yeah. you know, we can't see infrared, but it's there. Right. And if we the can, angels, yeah, if you could see the angels, if you could see grace at work in somebody, if you could see the, yeah, just the hand of God, mm. like the sparkle, the halo around every thing, every grain of sand, every... So, yeah, there's a kind of clarity that incites this sort of wonder. And then 
the most wondrous of all things are human beings. So you ponder this like mystery of a person. I think one of the privileges of being a priest is you sit in that confessional or you meet people and they share a lot. And yeah. you get a sense of, wow, people are so mysterious. This mm-hmm. person is very different than me. It's very intimate too. Yeah. Yeah. So you see something very clearly and, um, and it's beautiful and it's striking and it's scary in some ways. And it's um, a temptation to compare or uh, all kinds of things. So we can get dull. You can get bored with things, lose the wonder. I'm too practical. I can't look around. Um, and part of this is the consequences of uh, sin as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't trust people as much. You know, I, when I see them, I don't immediately say, oh, I want to tell them everything about me and I want to let them tell me what to do and all of these, you know, critique my life or whatever. Um, yeah. Because of the weight of sin, I'm, I know myself not to be trustworthy, and I've been hurt by betrayal or deceit or whatever makes you lose your trust, right? Mm-hmm. And you could say that in a lot of different ways. There's like violence that makes you afraid, and so you don't want to look anymore. You want to kind of cover up and hide. There's a lot of jealousy. So you, all of these things can distort the way that I'm seeing the rest of the world or the, re- the rest of the people around, you know, it somehow when Mary looked at people, she could see that them for what they were, what they, you know, what they are and be able to communicate that to her son. I mean, imagine if Jesus is trying to learn the world and to be able to be taught by someone who sees the best in people or the dignity of people or, respects the mystery and um and the wonder of the world i think she would have been a cool world tour guide (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point because we often forget like jesus came as a baby and which means he had to like learn and grow and we forget that sometimes yes he knew everything in his divine nature but in his human nature he still had to grow and learn i've been meditating on this actually given that it's advent and close to christmas um, Jesus, yeah, he, he lived a normal human life, but he had to, to learn. Like Joseph would have had to teach him like, this is how you cut the wood. This is how you use a saw. This is how this, and like, I don't know. I, I don't know what your thoughts on this, but this is kind of getting a little off topic, but like, do you think Jesus ever like hit himself with a hammer by mistake as he's nailing something in? And like, is, if he's perfect, would he have messed something up like that? Or did he ever saw, like, cut himself and, and did he bleed? You know, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to think yeah, about. Yeah, people would have different opinions. I tend to be of the sort that says for Jesus to be perfect in his, you know, of soul doesn't mean that he had to be an awesome cook or whatever mm-hmm. and have everybody's sense of humor or you know, just he totally. could be particular and mistakes. I don't know why not. Yeah. You know, he probably wouldn't have cursed the way that I do <laughs> after hitting himself with the hammer. <laughs> sure. That's true. But that's, uh, but yeah, to return back to the topic of like, Mary would have been able to perceive immaculately that those things around her. She always had the, she has free will. So she always had the uh, possibility of falling into sin, but she never desired it because. She saw everything perfectly around her. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you could so you could see the tragedy of sin. You could see it clearly, instead of like, hmm, that looks fun. You know, if you steal enough, you can get a Corvette. Or mm. I don't, do people want Corvettes now? <laughs> Tesla, Who knows? Tesla, I guess. Tesla, Lamborghini. Um, yeah, you see the priorities of the world. There's a certain kind of wisdom that I think would come with that, and um, and to be, able, yeah, just to be able to counsel Jesus and to navigate. You know, why are those? Why are those people so angry? They're supposed to be you know, godly people. And then Mary said, well, let me tell you kind of who they are and what happens to people or whatever. Okay, so this clarity of sight, perceiving the world with absolute delight and wonder and wisdom. Then you got um, self-perception. Okay, that's like in the mirror. Um, man in the mirror. I'm looking at the... I know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> I'm asking him to change his, his ways. ways. So she doesn't need that, right? Uh, it's a good song, isn't it? It is kind of wild to think mirrors are very recently uh, invented or whatever the right word there is. Uh, prior to maybe 200 years ago, I'm guessing a ballpark there, maybe longer than that, the clearest image you would ever have of yourself would be in a lake, in water, in yeah. a pond. Yeah, that's true. Um, Narcissus, you know, mm-hmm. that famous uh, mythological character. Narcissus, yeah. Does he uh, Does he fall in? I think he falls into the lake. I, I believe so, yeah. He, he looks at himself in the pond, the lake, and he falls in love with himself so deeply that he grasps at it and then he drowns, and then he doesn't drowns. he? Yeah, see? Yeah, so the mirror, and the mirror can get distorted. Imagine if you, you know, threw a pebble into the... In, to the lake and you can't see yourself clearly or if there's you know like a crazy mirror have you ever been to one of those fun houses with oh those are cool it's like wow i'm really fat or wow i'm super skinny or wow i'm like both at the same time you know (laughs) yeah it's like the original they have these like apps and filters on your phone now Mm. so the kids don't know the joy of you know the crazy houses the crazy house and you stand up it elongates and all this stuff um, yeah, so right perception means you see yourself for who you are, see yourself clearly, not as anything better than you are, not as anything worse than you are, um, but with a, a profound sense of and awareness of being a child of God, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah. I think I see a lot of people, including myself, really wrestle with how do I understand that? How do I settle into that identity and how can it become more than just something I say or something I like wishful thinking or something like that. And I, self-perception is so, it's so difficult. I don't think about it a whole lot. You know, as time goes on, I know how sin beats me up Mm -hmm. with perception and it's, I think made me cynical or tired or weary of, um, looking at myself, yeah. like introspection, because it becomes so nitpicky and it becomes so negative a lot of times. And there's something very uncomfortable about praising myself, you yeah. know, patting myself on the back. And even though I know that's good, right. and I tell people to do that. And um, but I don't know. Do you have that experience? Like, do you try to perceive yourself? Yeah, I think it's important to. Just a caveat, though, it is funny how like 
more and more psychology is is becoming more christianized in the sense mm-hmm. of like psychology is all about this now like oh just have positive vibes just have positive thoughts of yourself and then you'll be a good it's like yeah because you're a son of god like think mm-hmm. good thoughts in the sense that like god created you good and he wants you to know that you're good and then our shame gets in the way and shame is never from god of course or our, our sinfulness gets in the way our, our immaculateness uh, if you will gets in the way because we get so focused on look how terrible i am i don't actually live to my greatest potential we all fall short of the glory of god right um yet the glory of man the glory of god is man fully alive um so we're called to to live that virtuously and good and holy uh while yeah the the proper self-perception is to say i am a sinner in need of god's mercy but with god all things are possible yeah are you a self-conscious person would you say very yeah <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> me too in spite, in spite of just saying i don't like to think about um how i perceive myself i am very self-conscious very self-aware and not self-aware sounds like it's a like a mature thing mm-hmm. but kind of looking over my shoulder what do people think what do oh, people see yeah. i feel that way when i'm preaching i feel that way in the confess i am mean, anywhere with right. friends with family i feel like it's less with family and somewhat less with friends mm-hmm. like, yeah I, we like begin i don't to, want to screw up or look, right. look dumb or whatever yeah we begin to measure our self-worth based on did i do a good job in that homily and it becomes like my own self-introspection as opposed to like no i'm i'm here did I give it my all? Did I give it my best for the glory of God? If I can answer yes in that, then there's nothing to worry about. Even if like it did kind of suck or whatever it is, like our self-worth has nothing to do with what we wear or how we, um, I don't know what, like what we do, right? Our self-worth has to do with the fact that you're created good by loving God. I will say though, like jumping to a little bit of moral theology here, if we we can, Yeah, yeah. Uh, moral theology. I'm not a dogmatic theologian. That's true. You're not, but I aspire to be one. Uh, in the in the moral theology realm, right? We're we're body soul, uh, but we're uh, intellect, will, and our passions, our emotions. And oftentimes, we have a discomfort in ourselves when our when those get out of order, when our emotions or passions rule over our intellect and will. But it's so important. Like our intellect and will must rule over our passions. We need to know temperance wise of like our passion of drinking we need to know when too much is too much and if we allow our passion of drinking to rule over our intellect and will that's when we get really upset and angry and that's where we (laughs) push the boundaries and you wake up the next morning you're like i drink too much i should not have done that i feel really really bad now because our intellect and will are no longer are ruling over ourselves so when you're talking about like proper self-perception i also think of the gift of of integration is what the um, theologians will call it, integration and subordination, that the lower passions of my soul or the lower powers of my soul are subordinated to the higher powers of my soul. So sorry for the like, yeah, hey, man. intellectuality like here, but this is like... I'll give, it, I'll give an image for the people okay, of this one. This will be helpful. That is this, the Socratic one. The Platonic is the um, chariot with wild horses. Nice. You remember that one? Mm-hmm. And the Rolling Stones song? Wild, wild horses. I don't know that one. Couldn't drag me away. <laughs> it's yeah. It's the um, the passions. You know the emotions that are uh, 
can be reined in and then give direction yep. and this delightful ride in through life. Or they can just be out of control. And, yeah, causing all kinds of madness in a bumpy ride. Mm. Yeah. So the integration of the whole and to be able to see what's going on. Like, okay, you didn't catch the process fast enough when you were drinking and then you get mad. And so you're not seeing, seeing clearly until this point of regret, mm-hmm. you know, after looking back with the sin. Um, yeah, but the self-consciousness, I'll add this point, is that I think a lot of the trouble can come from comparisons. You know, my sister loves yep. watching uh, stand-up comedy. So mm-hmm. I watched some stand-up comedy with her and her fiancé nice. the other night. And it made me sad that I had it, that it made me sad at a certain point, wishing that I was funnier. Instead of just enjoying somebody being funny, I was like, oh, I, I don't perform like that. And when my, when my jokes either land or don't land, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I had that kind of a wit and I wish I had that kind of a um, observation mm-hmm. and could turn the phrase or tell a joke like that or whatever. Instead of just like, okay, I'm enjoying the fact that this person is funny and that we're all laughing. And it's that's somehow this result of sin, this skewed perception. I need to be different or I ought to be or I want to be different. Yeah. Instead of, I'm what I am, and sometimes my jokes land, and sometimes they don't. And <laughs> most of the time, they don't for me. And it's kind of a weird sense of humor, and not everybody's gonna be entertained and everything. And um, and there's just limits to my talent that way. But is, I did. Why? Why does everybody have to be sort of ingenious in everything? Right. Totally. Yeah, we live the gifts that God gives us, and we're we're grateful for that. You want to hear a joke? Or I'm like, oh, look at Sean can ski. So awesome. And I'm not. So do you ski? <laughs> what about, uh, oh, everybody thinks Sean is so cool at the parish. And I'm just kind of bumping along. Yeah. That's that's a huge temptation for priests in yeah. comparison. And I think anybody at work, in the mm-hmm. family, everything. Um, but the, 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 the clarity of sight would mean I am happy with who I am, not just happy, but delighted the same way that I wonder at everybody else. Um, At least that'll be our vision in heaven. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I cut you off. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. I was just going to say, you're talking about jokes. It made me think of a joke I said recently. Come on. (laughs) It's fitting for today's feast day. Um, I was at a women's conference recently. All women's conference. No, 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 (laughs) it's not the joke. But I was asked to, to, give a talk at a women's conference and uh, it was great. It was fun. But I, the opening line of my, the, at the women's cro- conference was, well, blessed am I among women. Oh, and yeah. It gets a cheap laugh. You know? Dude, I like that though. It gets a really good laugh. I like that. Did they giggle? They all giggled. Oh, yeah, I'm just he's like, so sweet. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and then I blush and then it's like, why am I here? So, no. <laughs> Get me out of here. I've now I'm feeling very self-conscious. Um, all right, so that's, I guess that's self-perception. You perceive the world well, you perceive yourself well, and then it's like this clarity of the glass. Okay, if the first image was sort of the telescope or binoculars um, or eyeglasses, I suppose, that see the world, the second is the mirror 
that's clear and without macula, without smudges or blemishes, uh, without stain. Then also you could see of like the lamp of the self. So Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Mm-hmm. And it can either be a, a light that's kind of dull or small or like big and generous. Mm. And that's the way that uh, Ephraim talks about Mary is something of um, like, like a sun shining. So that gives light to everything else around it. And to be in the presence of this light, to presumably to be in the presence of a Christian or to be in, pre- in the presence of someone in heaven, you come to, uh, you come to know yourself correctly. Hmm. You know, it sheds light on who I am. And um, so I get right perception. Because there's this problem, okay, I'm not immaculate. And I don't know myself perfectly well. Yeah. And so I rely on the perception of others. And then I have this sort of mission in the world to help people understand themselves too, like to know themselves. Mm. Um, and I see this occasionally in community. I don't, we can kind of brainstorm examples. But um, somebody recently said, Father, you look tired. And I thought, oh, that kind of woke me up to something. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, that's not what you want to hear, really. No. But it's okay. Father, you look look stressed. You look stressed, Father. You look tired. And then there was another moment where I was teaching um, OCIA. I think we call it OCIA. RCIA. We call it um, (laughs) the credo. And so I'm teaching, and this woman comes up afterward, and she says, thank you for for teaching. I just love, love your style. You seemed so happy up there talking about the saints. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. I w- I mean, it really did wake me up to, to a joy that I wasn't perceiving myself. Cause I'm just nervous, kind of wanting it to be done. Yeah. Um, I enjoy teaching, but it's a very self-conscious thing for me. And yeah, you're I'm up there. Everyone's st- staring at you stuck in this thing that is not like a necessarily an enjoyable experience. Um, but to have someone come up and say, "Yo, oh, you just seem really happy with that," and it communicates joy to me, mm-hmm. was like, "Heck yeah, I like this," you know. Yeah. And I was very grateful that she said something. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think the self conscious plays into it. Um, when I was in seminary, <clears throat> I used to say that seminary often feels like you're just in a fishbowl. Everyone's staring at you. Everyone's tapping on the glass. Everyone's saying, swim this way, do this. And like, everyone's trying to get you to become a better man, which is great. Like seminary is very, very beautiful, but change is hard when people are knocking on that glass and they're telling you what to do. It's just like, it becomes overwhelming at times of like, I am growing like you, but you're not growing fast enough, you know, and and it's hard. So the self-conscious is real and and the comparison is real. But if we can have the freedom like Mary to just surrender it, and just allow our hearts to be formed by God and, 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 you know, surrender it and just say, okay, you know, this, this bad thing happened, but it's still forming me and I'm a better man. I'm a better woman because of it. I'm a better person because of the circumstances and the providential uh, care that God has for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it just communicates something. I mean, it's helpful. And then an important part of our job and our mission, and I would say every Christian has this, um, mission is to be able to speak the truth into other people's lives. Mm. And I try to do that. I mean, you really see there was a guy who I anointed yesterday at the hospital and um, sweet guy. I mean, he's telling me about 
the his love for his father and if i die father am i going to get to see my dad and he's telling me about how he goes he went to daily mass for so many years and he just loves church and if they move me to a nursing home it better be close to a church and um talking about he, he, how well he's being treated by the the um staff there and the doctor and the nurses and how kind they are um and then same guy is telling me father i'm scared to die because i'm afraid of judgment mm. i don't think i've um i don't know if i'm going to go to heaven yeah. to say this stuff and from my my perspective my fatherly heart but also just as a, a brother as a, a, even a stranger I'm like, dude, I wish you could see what I see, yeah. this incredible value, this delightful person that's in front of me, and the a kind of holiness and quality. I don't know your whole background, but I know the person who's in front of me, and I want them to know how uh, valuable they are and how beautiful it is and how delightful and edifying their, the way that they describe people they love and their, their style is. And, and then... So I try to do that. I spend a lot of time in the confessional and in preaching and all of these things trying to communicate the value that everybody has and the kind of hope. Don't be afraid. This isn't all about being afraid. This is good news. Mm. Um, but it's difficult. It can be difficult to separate flattery or exaggeration from just the reality and and also being able to challenge people and say, okay, it's time to step up. Yeah. You know, you could grow right now. Um, I'm not terribly good at these things, but I think they're worth. Yeah. I'm excited that growth in grace and holiness is going to lead to more of this. My being able to communicate to other people their worth and really perceive very clearly what it what it is uh, that I could honor people for. You know? Yeah. That's beautiful. I love, I love hospital visits like that. Um, you just never know what you're going to get at the hospital, and people, people, oftentimes are so excited to see the priest, you know. But there is that fear, and we like, I don't know. We can't get away from the fact that like our decisions do have effects and consequences, not just in this life, but in the life to come. But I think that's the beauty of, as you've talked about of. of like having the right proper self-perception. This is a lifetime work. It's not like tomorrow I'm going to wake up and be like, oh, now I finally see myself as God sees me. It's like, no, like it's a constant battle. And to your point, like I get up every morning, I look in the mirror and it's like, you know, you look at yourself and you're just like, man, I wish this or I wish that. And it's like, okay, like you'll get better slowly day after day, you know, time uh, a little bit each time. And I don't know we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep again, surrendering more to the Lord. Uh, and hopefully at the end of our life, we'll be able to say I've surrendered everything. Like I don't have any attachments to this world. So Lord, I'm ready to take me. I'm ready for you to take me whenever you want to take me. Yeah. But it really is a lifetime work. Yeah. And receiving the help of others. I don't think it can be done on our own, even with the purification of grace and the, kind of mystical life. Uh, you have beautiful examples like Therese of Lisieux who came to know herself in this profoundly sure. beautiful way as the little flower in the garden mm -hmm. through her encounter in prayer with Christ. Uh, but I think also in her, her love in the convent and you know among the sisters and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is why we live in common. This is why 
we we love what we do as companions is like we need the brothers <laughs> to call us out of like hey you're not all that great like relax like stop being so prideful or stop being like yeah you're a good preacher but tone it back like you're not i don't know you're not jesus christ <laughs> right so yeah to take it down a notch like i'm self-conscious and it bothers me that i am constantly judging my um teaching Mm. I want to be great. I want to be great. I'm not being, oh, that was great today. That was not great today. All these things. And just to have people, you know, communicate. How about good? How about just be good and not mm. always be stressing, trying to be perfect or great or whatever. Um, and, yeah, in so many realms of life that can be the case. Just be, yeah, accept the value of yourself. Yeah. and not having to be something different. And I I hope that, I, I, I wanted to communicate the, the value of this, praying for this grace of clarity, you know, of perception, and the purifying of your perception, you know, cleaning the glasses, mm. cleaning the, the lampshade and the uh, mirror, mm. and allowing, or allowing Christ to do that, really. The grace that Mary received even at the Immaculate Conception, was won by Christ on his cross. Correct. Prevenient grace. Right? That's where it comes from. You know, all grace is pre-gift from God, but one that you can ask for. Special graces on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. <laughs> Amen. Please, God. Shower us in graces. I love that, Father Mike. That's really good. I love those three images, too. You have a great gift for giving images as opposed to just, like, theological... <laughs> Uh, dogmas or yeah well i got a whatever. real weakness in definitions but <laughs> that's okay thank you thank you but it, it live is it so so those those three images right so like looking through uh glasses in order to perceive what's in front of us and ultimately we need a biblical worldview a christian worldview like those are the lenses by which we want to look and perceive the world having a beautiful colored mirror that we can perceive who god wants us to be and ultimately the mirror that we should be looking in is christ himself like we see our, our in the mirror. We should see Christ reflecting back to us. And then, lastly, the the lamp or the lampshade. Uh, one thing that comes to mind with that too is like a lampshade is able to direct light in the proper places. So that way, when I'm reading next to a lamp, the lamp isn't the light isn't shining directly in my eyes. It's downcast on my book so that I can read what's there, as opposed to like mm. it blinding me. That's the image that came to mind when you were talking about that. So I love it. Those are three good good images yeah. to take clean it up clean up the glass all right that's it that's what i got great in honor of our lady in uh celebration of this beautiful day amen well happy feast day to you and enjoy mass night at the cathedral you got any shout outs oh i i could do dorothy fanish deal i do love dorothy a great lover of mary <laughs> uh hmm i'll give a shout out to my former parish Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary on this great feast day. I was wearing a chasuble today that they gifted me when I got ordained a priest. A beautiful Marian chasuble. Uh, Father Nick Larkin, my former pastor, I was under him as a deacon. And yeah, thanks for the beautiful chasuble. Happy feast day. Happy Marian feast day. Although when this comes out, it's going to be <laughs> long past. But uh, yeah, I was just reflecting on some graces of being up at Assumption wearing that chasuble today. Shout out to um, Father Brian Larkin, who is pastor of Our Lady of Lords 
Um, shout out to Father Sam Moorhead, pastor of, well, rector of the Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. The Seabeck. Uh, Father Nick Larkin's over there at Assumption. I'm trying to think of these Marian places, right? Immaculate Heart of Mary. There's Guadalupe's. And, okay, so There's also Monsignor McNamara, who was one of the last figures that, is, that remains from my time in Rome at the Casa Santa Maria. So I lived at the house of uh, Santa Maria de Lumilta, Our Lady of Humility, and uh, with the elderly American priests. And when I went for Father Eusterman's defense, there was a, a priest, Monsignor McNamara. Who, is he the legion? No. No, okay. I'm thinking of someone else. No, you probably wouldn't know him. He's just been a spiritual director there in, in Rome between the seminary and the priest house for a long time. But he, he came to the reception and told me that uh, he went out of his way to come down to the house because he wanted to see me. Wow. And I was like, I didn't, I, I feel like uh, that was really special and also a, a, a great surprise. I didn't even think of, I mean, it was kind of a whirlwind, so I didn't know like who to visit or anything. But I thought, that, I was very grateful for that. Like he, we had a bond yeah. in, he, as he was like a confessor for that me. That is awesome. Is he American? Yep. That's yep. great. He must That's be from cool. the, east coast somewhere but anyway monsignor mcnamara keeping it real at the cause of santa maria that's right keep up the good work um i don't know i could think a million people on a marian feast but there will be plenty to come <laughs> god true. bless you all ski hard pray hard thanks for listening catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com immaculate by praises we sing how do you st-